suggest to jump in on this light one up just uh, think about a few things uh, I got my boy my boy headless giant on again with me uh, tonight uh, I think it was about two weeks ago I had him on to discuss and try to figure out and decode uh, the show OA from Netflix if you have not heard that one I highly suggest to go back and check it out um, like I was talking with him prior what I really liked about uh, that first episode is how he covered a few things at the beginning. And if you don't look at it with that slight uh, view of things, I think you can easily totally misunderstand the whole show. Uh, so you may want to go back and actually listen to that before this, or you can listen to this and then go back, but whatever. I think uh, that kind of like really sets the stage for really understanding how we're looking at it. Uh, and it was done very well. well. <laughs> Thank you. If you want, I could just go over it real quick. It's it's pretty simple. I try to okay. make it as straightforward as possible. All right. All right. Well, real quick, let me just uh, let me. I got the headless giant back on with me. Uh, if you want, you can uh, let everybody know. Uh, you don't have a show, but you do have Twitter and you have Instagram, and you've been on another show before. If you want, you can let everybody know about that. Yeah, uh, I go by headless giant on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, if you want to look me up, you'll find me there. You'll find a bunch of posts that you might find interesting. And um, real quick, um, the the three things that I was talking about was, uh, first off, you're not a human. You are a human-shaped donut. You've got a hole in your face and a hole in your ass. And materialists like to focus on the dough. But if you're a spiritualist, you need to be focused on the hole because it's the hole that motivates you. It's the hole that gets you out there working it's the whole that you have basically inside of you. If you look at um, how the human energy field works, it moves in the shape of a torus. So you've got a donut around your body, which is that hole again. Now that's important because it goes into uh, another topic that I was hoping to cover. Second thing is that um, we speak two different types of language. We've got the water language. Water is always speaking to itself. Anything that flows like water, anything that flows like energy, is anything that has, has waves is communicating with itself. We speak the air language, which is a type of water language, but it's more, it's more limiting than just the pure water language. The third thing I talked about is uh, how magic, the definition of magic is um, it is a illusion used to influence reality, right? And so... The first form of magic that ever existed was storytelling. Storytelling is an <laughs> illusion used to influence reality. And that's sort of what we're talking about here with the OA. It's an illusion used to influence reality. Now, how you let it influence that reality is either up to your uh, conscious mind or your subconscious mind. And if you let your subconscious mind lead you around, you're going to have some problems with that. So the news, storytelling, news stands for North, East, West and South, right? So it's automatically, you should put it in that magic category because what they're saying to you is this is the story we're telling you about your entire world. We're invoking the four quadrants, 
Very important to remember when you're four watching towers. the news. <laughs> right. That's the four towers. You know, you ask any magical practitioner, what do you do first? Well, we, we make a circle and we invoke the four towers. And it's like, do you see any resemblance to the news when you do that? And they'll probably be like, well, yeah, I guess so. That means they're doing a spell on you. That's what that's what's happening. They're making an illusion to influence your reality. So there's another definition I want to go over, which is what is a God? This is not something they teach you about in Bible school, but it applies to every religion. And the definition of a God, this is really, really simple. It's a personification of a circle of influence. A personification of a circle of influence. So if you're a monotheist, if you're a Christian, and you believe there is one God, that circle of influence is the entire universe. You, as a Christian, do not believe that there is a man with a beard up in the sky who controls everything. That's just a personification of a sphere of influence or a circle of influence. Now you go to the pantheist. Zeus is the personification of the sphere of influence over the sky. And then you've got uh, Poseidon. He's the personification of the sphere of influence over the oceans. And then you've got, you know, you've got uh, Pluto. Well, they called him Pluto. They didn't like to use his name a lot. That's the personification of the underworld. That's the sphere of influence. So what they would try to do with these gods is they would try to align themselves with the gods. Remember what I told you about being a donut, right? If you're a donut, that means you have a hole in the center of yourself. When you align yourself with a god, that god now becomes the center of you. Now, people, you know, New Age types, they like to say that, oh, you are a god. Unfortunately, that's like saying a bubble is the ocean. It's not the same thing, right? So they're telling you that you are the ocean because you're a bubble. It doesn't work that way. You're just a bubble, all right? But what you can do is align yourself with that God, put them at the center of your donut, and that puts you in alignment with their will, with that sphere of influence. So now that we've got that God talk out of the way, we can look <laughs> back at the show and see what happens when she uh, when she dies, right? She dies and she goes to this other place. She's meeting up with a goddess. She's aligning herself with the sphere of influence of death. And this death goddess is the one talking to her about where she needs to go and what she needs to do. This sphere of influence, you could call it energy, you can call it whatever. This is how the ancient people navigated their world, is by aligning themselves with these spheres of influence and, and looking out and seeing how they could be that God's will, how that God's will could influence them. This goes back to the angel talk again, because when you think a, a circle, a ray that comes out from the middle of that circle would be an angle, right? It's an angle to the source. Angel and angel come from the very same source. So that angle, that angel is the messenger from the source. And oftentimes it's telling you how to align yourself with the source, right? Now that so makes what me think doing... of uh, Dark Side of the Moon's uh, album cover. Yup. I mean, right. that... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Light. 
rays travel in straight lines. This is why they're always talking about the light in occultism. The light, the light. You talk about uh, Phanes, the Greek god of light. He's also Eros, which is also magnetism. Right? So you've got light, magnetism, rays. The word angel was was changed because of the Angli, northern German people who later called themselves the Anglo-Saxons, later in England. England is literally the land of the angels. And that's very important when you remember a guy named John Dee who created the mathematics that made it possible for the British Empire to go all around the world. And he created the Anakian language, the Anakian by talking to the angels. You start to see a pattern here. Now, when the angels get cut off from the source, they become fallen angels, fallen angles. Right. So once we've got the sphere of influence sending out its messengers, which are angles that align you more with the source, with their stories, stories being the first magic, you can start to see the energy of the universe itself. But without that understanding, you're groping around in the dark. All religions kind of keep this to themselves. All these magical societies and everything else will not put this in very plain English for you. They will keep you on the hook over and over again, feeding you little tidbits of information so that you can get to a place where they can fully control you and your understanding of gods and the world around you. You know, this what is I, what I your show is all about. You know, uh, I think it was like saying it to you before. And like, I, I really even think like what you're even saying with like uh, telling stories. Um, it's, it's like kind of like wild when you think about it. It's like, you know, if I guess it, it you now this is something you even have to think about too. I guess it may only work because of the way you've been told language is. But once you have been like learned what I guess words are and what they supposedly mean, once you have that structure in your mind, somebody can just like say something, a vibration in the air goes up, gets picked into your, you know, your head for all. And for all I know, just like you were saying before, the vibrations make go through the fucking water now too, you know, in your brain. But like it literally it's coming from like something from the air, then going to water in vibrations to, to the brain. Like that really is kind of like it really science is. in itself. It's like, you know how to use it so well. You can paint pictures in people's minds just from the sounds coming out of your mouth. Absolutely. Guided meditations, for example. Your mind is the is the canvas that a guided meditation is being painted on, right? And the idea is that the water inside of your mind is speaking to itself. Now, there's water inside of everyone's mind. So what we're trying to do, what we're attempting to do is to get back at blue language or the language before the Tower of Babel as they talk about like the blue language or the i'm sorry it's the green language that's the one that they used back then and what the occultists call the language we're using now the red language because it's colored in blood we have wars over this language before there weren't wars over the language because everyone could speak to each other's water there couldn't be misunderstandings the way there are now because it was a far more cohesive society they would be able to talk with each other's water directly without having misunderstandings without being manipulated because you could feel what they're thinking 
you could feel what the other person's thinking. That's a different form of language altogether, right? Getting back to that point, I think, is is a task that maybe we should be thinking about. But again, you know, I don't think we should obsess over it. The people in charge now are obsessed with taking us back to the golden age. All these all these ages back in time, the golden age was when man walked with the gods. And they think transhumanism, making themselves into these gods, is how they get back to that. That obsession is what led us here to this complete destruction and perversion of society that we're in now. You know, it's this occult obsession with the golden age, you know. And uh, anyways, back to the OA. So I believe it's when, um, uh, what's his name? Bart is in the tank. I think that's where we left it. Bart is in the tank, and then all of a sudden, he realizes he's in this facility. Owe had told him that he needed to find the closest animal and shove it inside of his mouth and eat it. Right? Now, this is interesting because he thinks he's on an astral plane because that's where Owe was. And being in the astral plane, the bird that she ate from the water gave her a deeper understanding of herself. Well, it turns out that this this whooshing into a, another plane of existence wasn't just immaterial. He whooshed to a place that was material. So you've got the boundary between the astral plane, the world of potentials, and the world of realities, right? He whooshed to another reality. She whooshed to a place that was more astral, that was more potentialities, more eternal, right? She ate the ambrosia. He ate a fish, right? Ambrosia. Let's talk about that word real quick. I like this word. I looked it up. I'm like, well, what is ambrosia? What is it that these gods are eating, right? And it turns out the word ambrosia just means not mortal. Not mortal. So the word isn't like some sort of strange uh food what they're talking about is immortality something that is not mortal that's what the seed is whatever this thing is that is not mortal right that's what she was partaking of in the astral plane she was taking part in a uh i guess you would call it um a covenant or a what's it called when you uh you do mass and you you take the the bread the body and i know what you're talking what's that about called? Uh, communion communion she was communing with something that was not mortal so that that bird that she ate that was some symbol of something not being mortal what he ate was a fish from a mental institution right that was i mean when you put it that way it, it kind of makes sense the whole you know you're partaking in the body and blood of christ right something immortal you're eating the ambrosia right this is how you take the spirit into yourself but for some people, it's just a cracker and wine. For other people, it really is that immortal thing. It's the ambrosia. Some right? people, it's a cake of light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go into that. Yeah. But yeah, the energy is still there. It's the same idea. It's the concept of, of this taking within yourself something that is not mortal. And this is how the demigods became immortal. 
But the gods are constantly eating ambrosia. This is how they stay gods, is because they partake in something that is not mortal. Mm-hmm. Right? Going back to the idea of the angel, she calls herself the original angel, which if you look up at the sky, these these sky beings or stars, if you look in the Bible, talking about an angel and talking about a star are basically the same thing because in the Hebrew, they are basically the same thing. The original angle, the original angel in the sky is the North Star. Everything else circles around it. Everything else is part of that sphere of influence. All the 12 signs of the Zodiac go around that North Star. As as the Earth is turning or whatever this place is, that one point doesn't change positions. Original angle. Once you see that, then you can't see angels the same way again because it is astrotheological. This is the connection between astrotheology and these stories that are being told about them, right? Oh, there was something. So, I, oh, I, we got Eric. There was something I wanted to say. Fuck, I think I forgot already. Uh, Eric was uh, posting up to uh, means. Uh, oh, the food for the Greek and Roman gods, ointment or perfume of the gods, something extremely pleasing to taste or smell. And then this sounds fucking slamming right now. A dessert made of oranges and shredded coconut. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good I think it's because so, Well, no, I mean, ambrosia is a... I think they make, like, a jello out of it. It's, like, jello, and they top it with... Oh, it's good stuff. But the idea behind oh, ambrosia... Oh, real quick. Now I remember what I wanted to say. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I have offered one... Wondered- um, if she kind of plays like uh, the maiden at times in that show, and uh, I do know um, from like I, I'm recording this a chakra series for the occult rejects, and the next one that we're recording does have uh, the heart chakra in it, which is you know green, and I could you know maybe start to try to associate that with Netzach, but uh, you know, and in, even inside the book itself that I was reading, um. It even said in the chapter that, like, at some point, uh, you know, to go past this sphere, in their opinion, to start moving up, your love for tangible things and more spiritual things will have to switch. So it's almost like he chose the fish, which was here in this world and very tangible and realistic, and she went for the spiritual food instead, like you said. And that's kind of almost like what I was getting at, like, just read last night in the book that I was uh, going through. Very much the same thing that you, I think you're explaining here. Yeah. And exploring these different ideas of astral realms versus real versus, you know, astrally projecting and looking for the real versus the unreal, looking for the potentials. This this idea is at the core of the, the heart of of what it is to be a, you know, theology, right? If If God are eating gods are eating immortality then they want worship for us because we're creating immortal stories for them to feast on right because it's it's our deeds especially in the greek right we're glory factories for the gods the more glory we give and the more adventures we go on this is why you've got characters like uh, alexander the great right creating these cities creating this glory for himself and for his family and for future generations and for the gods right 
you're called to glory. That's what it says in the Bible. What does that mean? You've got to bring these more these events that you do here into the future with these stories of greatness. That's the first magic, right? You're starting to see this ambrosia thing start to look a lot like worship, a lot like the things you do in this life, the things you do as a mortal rings true throughout all of history in terms of glory. That's what they're looking for. They want you to bring glory to them. Now, in today's modern concept of, of gods and, and, you know, Christianity in particular, they don't break down what a god is because if they did, it would make the religion a little less powerful and the individual a little bit more powerful. But once you talk about these things and you move into that sphere, you understand uh, a little bit more about Gnosticism. Gnosticism talks about how the archons are feeding off of us. Well, you could say that, or you could say you're a glory factory and you're supposed to be producing glory for them because you're immortal. They're immortal. They're a sphere beyond us. So that's why you should do these things. This is what, right? They talk about it as a soul trap. And we talk about it as if, you know, what we do brings glory to God. You there, see what I'm saying? There was something I actually want to ask. I want to ask, and, I, and, I've, and I've started to think about this in other ways. And unf unfortunately, like, you know, I'm not saying, like, uh, don't go out and, like, I guess, see a band that you like. Because this is, like, almost going to be, like, uh, almost impossible, probably, from this, in, the, in the reality that we're in to totally avoid. But I have wondered even in itself, like, is me going out and then like expending my energy and my focus at work to get this green thing that has sigils on it to now go and purchase a ticket to go see uh, some famous person somewhere doing something. Is that almost like my exchange of energy now going to them and feeding them? It absolutely is. Look back to the sphere or the circle of influence, right? Do you know where your circle of influence stops? Can you measure it? <laughs> really? It Not can, really. It can get right? pretty big. Right. Or very so small. Think about that movie. You remember that movie, Do Good Th Three Good Deeds, yes. and then they pass it on, yes. right? One person's circle of influence can move over the entire planet just by passing on these good deeds, right? So you can never really tell where the boundary of your circle of influence is if you live in a society with lots of people. You can really tell if you're in a, a tribe where your circle of influence ends, right? But the larger society, the less you know that boundary of the circle of influence. Now think about a famous person. That's as close as you can get to a god, right? It's the same because that circle here. of influence just keeps on going over and over again with all that uh, with all that mass media projection. This explains why they're so into these ancient religions is because these ancient religions kind of explain that better than what we have today. Donating, donating to politicians is definitely like people handing money over to gods now. Boom. Yes. There you go. And so now you understand why they put gods on the Capitol, why they put the, the Washington Monument, a giant penis in the middle of the thing. They know what they're doing. You've not been told. All of this stuff is oral history. It's passed down from generation to generation and not written down in books for you to consume. It's for them. The ambrosia is for them because they believe they're making themselves into gods. When you understand what a god is, you can understand how that's happening right now. I you feel, can I feel like that was even. Uh, I feel like that was even kind of in the beginning of 
Thor's Love and Thunder, actually. Like, something to that extent was being shown. If I can remember. I right. can like, when that. the guy first started rebelling against the gods, I feel like the, what you're talking about is kind of being depicted there, if I remember it right. Very interesting. Huh. Let's think about the guy who uh, hit Nancy Pelosi's husband. <laughs> he talked about did he that before. How did he not get caught? How did he not get caught? He had the hammer Thor. of Thor. <laughs> right. He had the hammer of Thor, and he goes inside this place, and he smacks this politician. And let's go back to January 6th. Who's that Kernunos guy on the house floor? You understand? These gods are manifesting. You're seeing different people manifest these ancient religious symbols. And the reason that's happening is because we never got away from it. They eat ambrosia. All right? These energy patterns are being manifest right now. We can't see it because we've been taught to be materialists. That's not helping anybody. We've got to be. We've got to keep our eye on the eternal. That's what it says in the Bible, but nobody knows how. Right. I agree. So let's go into uh, let's go into a little bit more detail. So after he gets done eating this fish, he's like, "Well, nothing happened." Right. He doesn't have a map. Right. the The person with the map is Owe. She knows that these motions are the way out. These movements are the way out. You look back at the holy men throughout the ages. They always know basically the direction to go, but they don't necessarily know all the steps to get there, right? That's very important because that's how the story is written. You know the direction, you might not know all the steps. The map is not the territory. So when you're reading the Bible, you have to be very aware that it's giving you a direction. It's giving you a course. You've got to stay on that course so that you can reach your destination, right? Nice. That's the key. Knowing the destination isn't part of it. This is why they say it's it's the faith of a mustard seed that can move a mountain. Mustard seeds are very, very tiny. Once you know that course, though, once you know what happens from that mustard seed, you get a tree, right? You get a massive tree. The mustard tree is huge. That, that seed has the DNA, has the genetic code for that massive tree. That's the course. That's what they're telling you. All you need is the blueprints, and you can find your way to the destination. How many of us have that kind of faith? Uh, Probably not many. But that's the key. That's the key is to have that kind of faith. You know what I've I've uh, thought of too, you know, especially when getting into angles and talking about light. Uh, you mentioning the roadmap. Have you ever like uh, I've often thought like, um, and I think this is where sometimes like the triangle might come into place and the thing with the cube and uh, the cross and all that crap. But I've wondered like, is it kind of just like, uh, let's say you had like a sphere inside of a cube, and like somehow like I guess like. You arced out of it, just like shot a light out, and now you're going to travel around just through bouncing off walls and angles to get to where you want to go inside that space. And well, is there like certain like figure. roadmaps to doing that? You know what I'm saying? It's going to create a new figure. Every time the light travels and bounces, it creates a new figure and gives you a different idea of the thing that's being produced. But you can never know from the ray exactly how it's going to work out until it's complete. Uh, what's it called? The... Not a rotoscope. You remember those um, those old uh, circle things that you would use to draw the circle 
and it would create this whole big thing just by by following the pen around this yes. this uh, this wheel, right? What you're seeing there is the sacred geometry starting to to form itself. And sacred geometry is very important, like the Plutonic solids. Those are what the gods eat, right? Because they're immortal geometric patterns, which brings us into the numbers behind the letters, which brings us to gematria. These eternal things that the gods eat are what we're trying to say with our words, right? We don't necessarily know exactly how those things are going to play out, but we do know that there is some sort of underlying pattern be between us and the eternal. And having that basis should be enough to, to put wind in your sails and keep you moving forward on that, on that trajectory, right? Now, again, once she realized that she's the original angle, there isn't anything in the world that could stop her because there wasn't anything between her and the eternal. She knew that it was there and there was no way to stop it, right? Cap, on the other hand, is completely faithless. No faith whatsoever. All he knows is science and the dough, right? Which is funny <laughs> because he becomes the way that they get the fifth sign, the fifth movement, right? Without Cap, they would have never got there. I, I did find that, that funny. I was like the one dude I never would have counted on to really help with anything. Right. He gets real close to being destroyed by that cop. And then all of a sudden, he has something to offer that cop. We can heal your wife, who is on her deathbed, basically. And in doing that motion, it shows that you don't need to know where you're going. It's going to be shown to you. And you look at stuff like alchemy. They say you have to follow in the footsteps of nature. What they're saying is you have to have faith that there is something eternal behind all objects, behind all things. You have to know that. And the way you get there is by following in the footsteps of the natural world, the thing that is manifest around you. Which is something like there's a difference between the metaphysical, which is uh, more about Christianity, and the natural, right? The metaphysical talks about the supernatural, which is all in the mind, right? It's all higher concepts. And then you've got pre-Christian uh, religions, which is all about following nature, following, you know, the, the nymphs and the gods and all the rest of these spheres of influence that you follow to a more enlightened path. Now, once Christianity kind of cut that off, it becomes really hard because you have to find in the book all the ways to go forward. If you don't understand the language and what they're trying to say in the book, how can you really follow it mentally? How can you really follow it using faith? You're kind of screwed at that point. You're just kind of hanging out and you're going to church because that's what other people around you do. And, you know, the body and blood of Christ, they're just a, a cracker and a piece of wine, you know, a drink of wine. So you have to understand that the metaphysical is in everything, is in everything. If God is, is omnipresent, it's in everything. And you can find that bit of faith you need to follow that path forward. If you're a Christian, you got to believe that because God is all powerful. The only way he can be all powerful is if he's in everything. You know, I mean, it, it resolves so many 
contradictions when you understand the spheres of influence. That's sometimes and, uh, even what I think a lot of the lower tree really is on the Kabbalistic tree of life. I think a lot of those lower spheres are just showing you influences that have put you into this body that you're in now. Bingo. And you now have that's to break out important. of them. <laughs> Each one of those circles of influence are represented by what? Gods and angels. You see what I'm saying? They put the, it into and then the, the funny, tree. funny thing is, is that if you look at the tree, all it is is like if you look at the spheres and then the lines, all it is is a bunch of angles and spheres. Angles and spheres. And it works together. Now, when you show a normie a Kabbalah tree, they're like, what, what is this? You got to go deep into it before you even realize what they're talking about. How these spheres of influence actually affect your way of life. And you have to actually practice it to start seeing it in all these things. You're not going to see something you're not paying attention to. Right? This is, this is, okay, you know how meth heads start to see shadow people? Yeah, yeah. Well, those shadow people, they think they're hallucinating. And they won't tell to just anybody. They're always talking about all the time with their other meth head friends yeah, yeah but they won't tell you about it right because they think they're going nuts the fact of the matter is the chemical itself is starting to draw a wedge between them and the reality around them they're not hallucinating they just don't know the nature of reality right so being able to draw that wedge gives other beings in other different frequencies of reality a way in and they're like well i saw it out of the corner of my eye my eye and it just disappeared i thought i was just hallucinating you know i don't know if we said it last time but i i even think uh you know people that are deemed mentally ill are just experiencing that as well absolutely and in a certain way you've got the doctors in these metal hospitals which again go back to the show where do they end up in the in the second season in the fucking metal hospital i mean who wants to actually like if that stuff is true it's like who wants to come out and like start you know, labeling people as like, uh, I mean, technically you'd be saying that they're gifted in a sense. So they're special, like, right. You know, it's, it would almost be like starting uh, X-Men <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand that people who had the predilection to start seeing beyond just the, the basic material of reality were considered holy people in, in earlier days. And now they're considered crazy people. Well, that means that the the negative hallucinations that these guys are experiencing and the doctors that are working at these mental hospitals are basically playing for the same team. You look at that as an example of what happens in institutions all across all across the board, and you understand why we got here as a society. And you, right? you know what I thought was actually really interesting, and you know, going back into the show is still they end up in a mental institution. And I was like, you know, like, how perfect is that, too? Because, like, you would put them there, and if they were to talk about their experiences, nah, you're crazy. Right. But, like, and it really did make me think, like, well, what if they're not? <laughs> like, this this goes into the Kelly Pope idea, the the Klipthoth, as some people call it, the, the, the husks that they talk about in the Kabbalah sphere. Now, when do the spheres of the Kabbalah become husks? You have to remove all meaning from those spheres. And you've got shows like um, uh, Stranger Things, right? Where the other side is a world without meaning. 
It's all the things that we have here, but there's no meaning attached, right? None of it has any meaning. They go into the Kelly Pope, right? That's the idea. In the second season, the first thing that happens with the um, with that detective guy is that he he finds this house, and it seems like it's devoid of all meaning. Things have lost dimensionality. Things have lost, you know, the standard. Uh, meaning that are ascribed to this form that we're in now. That's that's an example of a Kelly Pope. And you've got all these all these shows. Like I think it started for me at least, uh recognizing this stuff. It started with the Langoliers. Did you ever see that uh made for TV series, The Langoliers, where they go into no. the future? That's There's based off of uh, Stephen King, right? That's right, right. Okay. So they go into the future. There's nobody there. No, they, they end up in the past, right? In the past, these other realities are being eaten by the Langoliers, right? So the Langoliers are basically the cleanup crew. So after everybody's gotten done with this place, it all gets chewed up and eaten by these by these monsters who are basically the, the trash men of, of reality, right? So the trash men of reality eat this place that is completely <laughs> devoid of people, devoid of meaning. Uh, I think that's that has a much deeper conversation because without people, what are we? You know, as a society, we have to have these people around us so that we can feel meaning in our yeah, lives. Yeah, you know what? You, you, if you want to get real deep with that stuff, I, I had this guy... Uh... Lee from uh, Into Guardians on my show, and he he did mention something, and, and like if you really think about it, I mean, like this like blew my mind. Like if you didn't have any impressions of anything or idea of anything, you wouldn't even have anything to like. What would you be? Right. It goes back into um, Plato's cave, right? So, in Plato's cave, he wasn't talking about being separate from reality. He was talking about what we're in now. You're being shown images that people claim are reality. But we really don't know because we're inside of a cave. This cave right here up in our heads. That's the cave. Everything that comes into Plato's cave, everything that comes into our reality is going through our eyes, going through that hole in the cave. You, you remember last time I was talking about how, you know, there's a, uh, a cave and there's a, a fish slapping his tail on it. Our tongues. We are the cave. We are the cave. And so we communicate to each other as if we are caves, as if we are separate. But we're really not separate. We're all made of water. We're all made of this other substance, right? The idea there is that if you can remove from a person's life, you thrust them into the Kelly Pope. So uh, I said before, isn't it funny how the word whole and the word, you know, like the whole thing, sound exactly alike in the English language. Whether it's a zero, which is the whole, or a one, which is the whole, it's on the same spectrum of reality. You get what I'm saying? So the thought that we exist separately is where we get this concept of the cave, right? And the way that we're maligned by other people for not seeing the same thing that's being shown in the shadows on this cave is, is where we are as a society. This is what blocks us off from having a deeper realization of our own cave. 
You know, real quick, I, I just want to ask you this uh, before we keep going because I don't want to forget. Um, HP Lovecraft, do you think, like, unwrap, maybe erasing those impressions of self, could that become, like, the, the chaos of, like, in the waters as well? There we go. Because H.P. Lovecraft, I think he was exposed to these concepts, and to him, it was terrifying. That's what I'm getting His at. Pain, like, yeah, because when you start removing those impressions of self, could it get a little terrifying at first? You know? Right. Well, you go back to the original, like the Enuma Elish, which was the, uh, you know, the basis for the uh, Genesis story in the Bible, right? They talk about these ca- this, uh, this ocean of chaos, this watery darkness, right? And for some people, that formlessness is completely terrifying. Could you imagine being lost in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night? Nothing would be more you know, frightening than that, I think. I mean, could you you see? Right, you can't see anything and you're drowning. But at the same time, you're made of that same stuff. There is no difference between you and that ocean. Right, so the more you fight against formlessness, the worse it gets for you. But the more you accept the formlessness and you accept the chaos within yourself and understand that it has to be surfed you have to surf that wave of chaos and you have to find that balance within yourself that's when you can really start to understand there is no existential dread it's all the same thing right fighting against it is how you get the ancient ones coming back to destroy reality accepting it is how you can come to peace with it and that's basically all you can now, once you're in that that Kelly Pope state, and all all meaning has been removed from your life, you've got two different directions you can go. You can either become a destructive force of nature that destroy everything around you, or you say, "This is where I've been before. I've been here before. I'll be here again. These things are not foreign to me. This is part of who I am. This has always been part of who I am. I'm supposed to be here, and I can make my way out of it." That's the big, that's the big challenge. It's all perspective. Yeah, I know. Even me and Lux have said that there's a, like he had said it. It really it was probably like the best way. Um, you know, but sometimes with magical experiences, I guess it's like almost as if like you felt like you were home, like it's like you were somewhere that you, like you like it. It was like wait, I know this. Yep. But somehow forgot. It's like really Absolutely. weird. It's really weird. It's really fucking weird. But I know what you're saying with that. It's like uh, that sense of familiarity is something that is timeless. Once you reach that point, again, crossing that abyss, it's a timeless familiarity. And it's in you all the time. And when we lose sight of that, that's when things become tragic. I think that's what uh, uh, Buddha was trying to say. It's the desire that makes us uh, separate from the whole of reality. It's the hole inside of us that does not see the hole of reality. <laughs> and real quick, I do want to mention, uh, Eric in the chat did mention uh, the law of the trapezoid. We're maybe kind of talking about that a little bit. There's something along those lines. And he says, uh, the obtuse angle uh, angles are magically harmful to those unaware of this property. The same angles are beneficial, stimulating, and energizing to those who are magically sensitive to them. I just wanted to add right. that. 
So it's that it's that perspective that changes. And again, when you're looking out through your eyes, you're creating an angle, right? You've got that field of vision. That field of vision, if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. If there's no way that you can see that thing, you're never going to see it, right? It's that perspective that changes everything. You can't find your keys in the morning when they're right in front of your face. It's almost as if you're in a different dimension of perspective. And dimensionality is a very interesting thing, too. It talks about Cartesian planes, right? So you've got um, Rene Descartes, the mathematician. He created Cartesian geometry, which is where we get the x-axis, the y-axis, and the z-axis, which would be the space that we're moving through. He was like the first inventor of this matrix. You know what I've thought about before, and I want to ask you now, because uh, we kind of just touched on it. Uh a little bit, but you know, you're talking about like rabbit ears before. I don't know if you mentioned rabbit ears before. Uh, no, I'm thinking you you mentioned the tunnels, uh, caves and stuff, and I started thinking of oh, down the rabbit hole, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know how like sometimes uh, people will like you know do that or like they have like the rabbit ears. You know, I've often thought it could be like a very multi-layered uh, thing, or it could be different meanings, but all d- deep. Uh, I have often thought, like, could that be, like, maybe going back to Jacob's Ladder? But I have also wondered, is that even simply, like, your eye sockets going back into your brain? (laughs) Well, Jacob's Ladder is interesting, and I wanted to put this out last time about the omphalus, right? Because Jacob, uh, he he slept on a rock. They call it Jacob's Pillow. That is one of the most holy places for the Jewish people, is Jacob's Pillow. Right. His mind was on top of the rock, which connected him past, present and future to a superstructure of reality. Right. Because all rocks do that. It's eternal. Back to the ambrosia thing. Right. Well, the Greeks had a rock, too, that they call the omphalus. Now, the omphalus, the navel of the world, that rock is what um, Gaia. No, no, it was Thea gave to Kronos instead of giving him uh, Zeus. Because as you know, Kronos was eating all of his children. Time was eating all of his children, right? And what she gave to what she gave to Kronos was this rock wrapped in a cloth and he ate it instead of eating Zeus. And Zeus was able to grow up, mature, and come back and cut off the junk of Kronos. Again, degenerate create a fallen angle all men have the angle right we have the 90 degree angle that is generative that creates life again talking about the angles and angels so when they're talking about angles and angels that should be a good indicator of what's going on there the greeks were spermacists so they believed that all life originated from the male energy right well, i even think like a lot of times like when you see like uh, circles and cubes I, yep. think, I think that is like showing you the feminine and masculine actually and the cube is the male because of all the angles. Right. You know, the women got so the this... curve. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you look at it. Have you ever gotten a, a comic book, uh, How to Draw Comics? As a that? kid, I think I might have had something like that actually. Right. They teach you how to draw female figures by adding angles, right? And the more there is the more feminine the more angular 
the more masculine. Again, like it's right there in the basic forms that you get in basic art class. Like you could, I took a form or a, a figure drawing class in college and they're like, well, when you're doing the masculine figure, you've got to make it more angular, right? This is one of the things that they chiseled. teach your very first thing. Yeah, chiseled, angular, and you look at it in the shoulders, you look at it in the head, all of these things are much more angular because the angel, the generative force, the ray is more masculine. The curve, the cup is more feminine, yeah. right? And it's right there in the basic geometry, in the ambrosia of the geometry. You know, and, and when we go into sacred geometry, those things are very important for the rest of society, the rest of everything. If you're not seeing it, you're never going to see it. Oh, so you are seeing it. Something that, that kind of reminds me of something I did want to ask you and wondering if it had like any geometry to it or something to do with like the numbers. I may have mentioned it to you last one. Sorry if I'm repeating myself. Um, you know, in the show, she had a specific amount of people around her too for this stuff. Yep. I was wondering if you thought that that I'm was not good like... at, I'm not good at, uh, uh, Gematria. I need to get better at it, but I think having the five and the one in the middle has a lot to do with this, uh, this heart chakra, right? Because the heart chakra is, 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 is the center of the other chakra points, right? So you've got three above three below. And then the center, again, it would have to do with the donut idea, right? So you've got this uh, auric field of energy around you that makes a torus shape, right? And in the very center of that is going to be the heart chakra. That heart chakra is going to guide you of where you're going. If you're aligned with the deity, if you're aligned with that circle of influence, the center of that circle of influence is going to be right in the middle heart chakra. If she's the OA, then the five around her would be the vehicle of open portal, right? And in the second season, the vehicle of opening this portal became these little tiny machines, right? That has the, the concept of this transhumanist idea. Anything we can do, we can make machines to do. And so I think that's really the, the direction that they were trying to point you in is like, we're going to make machines transfer us between these re realities like nobody's business yeah when that when i saw they that i was like yo that is genius i was like i'm surprised i didn't even think of that i mean it's kind of yeah. like you're saying it is like cheating and like a, a yeah you know it could fall into anybody's like hands at that point that don't even know what they're doing and can't appreciate the experience but like i was like damn i was like i never thought of that i th i think technology represents the loss of wisdom right yeah so as as well, there's something behind actually having the experience and knowing why you're learning that stuff. Absolutely. The learned knowledge is, is, is the point where a human stops being a machine, right? But if you've got no, none of that learned knowledge, then you're just a wet automaton, right? You're just doing rote information, which is, you know, what we're learning in public schools. It's all memorization. There's no theory behind it. We can't understand how uh, ancient man was taught these things, you know, they would teach these things to people by looking up at the sky and making references to the sky and, and becoming uh, familiar with the angels. The angels would bring knowledge to humanity. So 
you know, if you're talking about the book of Enoch, he talks about how the fallen angels brought metallurgy to mankind. This is a way of learning knowledge that is very different from what we do today. They would summon spirits and those spirits would give them the knowledge that they would use in their metalworking. Well, we don't do that today. It's all rote memorization. Somebody's doing it. Somebody's keeping the old ways alive because we keep progressing. So all that knowledge, all those rays of light that they talk about in occult literature, the seven rays of light, all the rest of the stuff, that's all being lost to us. You know, we don't have access to that. And even the people who talk about this stuff, they don't have any deeper conception of how it actually applies. Once you apply it the way in simple language, everybody can understand it. You know, when you when you come up to an occultist, you've got two different types, like the J.K. Rowling type says that magic is passed on through the genes. Sounds very eugenics based, right? <laughs> and then you've got other wise men who say anybody can learn this stuff. This is simple stuff. You just have to set your mind to it and keep working in that. Direction. And they don't tell you how to do it, but they want you to have the learned experience along the pathway. I think we're at a, at a point now where if there is a college of light, They've dropped the ball because it needs to be simplified. It needs to be given to the people that they can experience it firsthand. I'm trying to do that, you know? Nobody tells you what a god is. Nobody tells you what a human is. Nobody tells you what magic is. They just don't give it to you. And the reason they might have done that in the past is because they wanted you to have the learned experience of finding this stuff out for yourself. But look at where we are as a society. It didn't help. People aren't going down that path. They're going down the technology path. Well, look how they, well convenience with technology has gotten us. Right. We've really lost all wisdom. Shit show. <laughs> We've lost all wisdom, so it's time to open the vaults. I mean, even think, go back, like, when we were kids. Like, if we wanted to, like, get into something or learn something, we, like, got on our bikes and went down to the library, asked our parents to take us down to the library. We got a book. We took it out. We read it. Now it was a quest. Like, now it's just like, oh, a meme just told me a whole book. It was a quest. <laughs> if we look at our story structure, right? If you look at um, the hero of a thousand faces, right? He talks about story structure, how every story has a beginning, middle, and end, and that every beginning, middle, and end has a call to action. You enter into the unknown. You come back out of the unknown, a different person, and that's the conclusion of the story, Right? It's almost like you're entering Plato's cave at the beginning. And every story has that structure. Anytime you tell a story, it has that structure. That's the ancient magic that gets people to connect with an idea. Even in a simple sentence, you can make a whole story, right? Because it has those elements in it. We have to have verbs that move us from one section of reality to another section of reality. These are the basic processes that we, that we go from point A to point B. And it's so universal. That's why I say storytelling is the first magic because it's in everything. And once you understand that story structure, it starts to change the nature of reality around you. You can start to see where things are going just by knowing the basic story structure. Right? So where was I going with this? Oh, so I want to ask you real quick too. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to take you off the, uh, you know, you're going somewhere. Um, I just don't want to forget to ask you. Uh you know, there was things in the show that had made me... It's something that I've actually believed for a while. Uh, in the show, you do kind of see the idea that 
you could jump from one line to the next and kind of just sacrifice where you were previously right. to stay there. Have you, I mean, I have wondered, like, sometimes when we get, like, these weird deaths that always, you know, then get pinned with, like, 100 conspiracies around them. Um, could it almost be something to that extent? I mean, do you think that's possible? Let's go into the mandala effect. Because right? yeah. <laughs> I think that's that goes along the same lines as what you're talking about. These weird deaths could be a jump from one reality to the next. Right? The mandala effect, in my opinion, is a merger. So let's say we've got the uh, multiverse theory, where every decision creates a split in the multiverse. You chose to go this direction. The rest of reality might be moving in this direction. You know, you know, and you know what, why I'm even thinking this is because, like, in my mind, I'm like, you know, what's like really fucking sad and pathetic is that, like, everybody thinks that, like, oh, yeah, we got the Clinton's number now. And it's like they're probably sitting home laughing, knowing what happened to these people. And they're like, yeah, they think we killed them. That's so fucking funny. They're right. so stupid. Motherfuckers are jumping timelines and they think we're killing people. Right. That's probably the real legit truth. <laughs> well, and then, you know, people point, think, oh, we got their number. <laughs> like, you're so fucking far off. <laughs> at this point, it could have technological implications. We don't know what ancient technologies could be used to jump tr- timelines like this. But at the same time, there are some people who remember the Berenstein Bears as the Berenstain Bears. Right? There are some people who might remember. Curious Jared George is not having a tail. It's not everybody. The Berenstein Bears ones that screwed me up for sure. Oh, it's worse. It's worse. You know, you that, know the one that, that, gets that, me? And the, that and even um, Star Wars and uh, Forrest Gump screwed me up too. You know, the one that gets me even worse than that? What the lion shall lay down with the lamb. Do you remember that verse from the Bible? No, uh, okay. Well, if you went to Bible school, you always learned it. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. You go back to the New King James Version, and what they say now is the lion or the the wolf shall lay with the lamb. It's never been that. But somehow, somewhere along the lines, it became the wolf. And that's very interesting, too, because the, the, um, the Muslims, all of the imams, all of the holy people always had to memorize every word of the book every word of the Quran. And the reason they did that is because they've got the belief in the jinn. And the jinn would be able to change things in the past, present, and future. This is what the, the Muslims believe. The jinn is an older concept than the, um, than the Muslim faith, or maybe the Muslim faith was folded in on top of it. We don't really know, right? Again, it's a lot easier to fold these realities in on themselves because they're separated in culture. Once you've got mass media consumption, then everybody remembers things differently because you can fold these realities in and then people will be like, no, this is not the way I heard it. So these imams would have to memorize the entire book and they would have to discuss it with other imams so that the jinn could not change the words in their book. Are we doing that? Are Christians doing that? Are they memorizing every word of the Bible? No. Well, what happens if you don't? Something, some other force from outside of this reality can come in and change it. They can fold another reality in on top of it. You think it's possible to like take that energy and like 
suck somebody out of their head and put that in there instead? Well, that's what demon possession is, right? Oh, yeah. They suck the guy out. They suck him out of this reality. Who knows? They might be in a different reality. Sometimes I've How wondered you know if like, there's people walking around that are just like bodies used for shit like that. <laughs> and that's why one person can seem so off like at times. The New Age movement talks about walk-ins. Well, what if those are walk-ins from a different dimension? They like to talk about star systems and these star seeds are a walk-in in an empty vessel. And it's like, what if they're lying? What if it has nothing to do with distant star systems? What if that's their cover story? Because that's what people see in the sky now. They see these UFOs instead of fairies and, and you know, all these other woodland creatures that they used to see, right? Our perceptions of reality could be changing the nature of these different energies that are entering our reality. Yeah. It's the observer effect, right? And when you've got high energy bodies like plasma, I think the observer effect has an even greater amount to do with that superposition right because that's that's where the collapse of superposition occurs is when we're looking at it right i mean if we're we've, talking about we've been told for how long that a disc looking thing in the sky is a possibly you know fucking aliens from another planet right that will no longer like even ever question for the most part most people and let's say the Babylon working was successful and it changed the nature of what we see in the sky from these old ways into the new ways, almost like this new eon that uh, Crowley was talking about, him shifting our awareness from the ancient ways of seeing them into a new reality created with these different rituals. And the only way we see it as as UFOs now, instead of seeing them as, you know, leprechauns or seeing them as these other things right so the shift in perception it seems like total crap materialist but to a spiritualist they understand that that is everything how you see the world is everything and if you could shift that perception just a few degrees from a leprechaun to a ufo that could change everything that puts your awareness on a completely different path 33 degrees there you go <laughs> there you go that's that's interesting yeah but you know that's that. that's the thing about these motions about these movements is they're able to shift and go between these things what they're talking about is the magic the motions create an illusion that allows them to bridge between realities back uh, to that definition of magic that's what all ritual magic is. It's a ritual that allows you to create an illusion that sh that bridges you from one reality to the next. And instead of saying it that simply, they create a whole story around it. We're doing that every day. Our choices bridge us from one reality to another. If we're unaware of those choices, if we're un you know, if we're running on autopilot, we're going to end up wherever somebody else wants us. But if we can consciously shift our reality in our heads first, you can do this with affirmations. You can do this with a spoken word. You remember the word abracadabra, I speak, therefore I create? That's what they're talking about. It's that simple. But you can't break it down in those terms because then you lose control. People are able to do that whenever they want to. You know? And that's the scary thing for the elites is what if people could start bridging their realities and go where they want to instead of where we want them to be. Crowley didn't want that. He had to put it in flower, 
flowery language. He had yeah. to talk about the Babylon working, all these other things as these massive, you know, oh, shifting of the eons. Well, you know what that? That's as easy as telling yourself that you feel better and then feeling it. That's the basis for all of it. You know, the placebo effect, the nocebo effect. You've got to have a certain societal nocebo so that the elites can have their placebo. <laughs> That's the universal medicine. Placebo effect is the universal medicine. Let's face it. That's, <laughs> you know, uh, I couldn't, I, I never got into it and I did want to try to spend the time. But uh, I also do think when uh, I noticed it more when they showed the robots. And I don't know if it was because of the way the robots were shaped, but there was times where I swear I did see some uh, LVX formula going on. Yep. Was especially there was a time where the robot looks like a scorpion. You know, and that scorpio is, is used yep. in the uh, in the LVX. And there was like one or two other things that I noticed. And I was like, huh. I was like, I wonder if this is even like ripping off stuff from uh, actual rituals. They actually Very were, weird. yeah. It was... They, they're putting it on a subconscious level, right? They're not putting the, the, the motions directly into any one ritual. They've got fillers between the different motions. And in doing so, they're manifesting what all those other magicians have put out there is because it's absorbed on a subconscious level. Yeah. That's very uh, important. Yeah, there was things now I remember. Other There was a time where they cover their mouth. I mean, could that be considered like the sign of silence when you're doing the sign of silence? And then like there was even a time... Uh, I don't know if he had his mouth covered. He does something with like the the yep. eyes again. And there is a part and you go like that. So I'm like, you know, are they showing things from the LVX formula uh, in this ritual that they're doing or whatever they're doing? Absolutely. You know? And, you know, those are, are before the LVX formula. These are parts of rituals that go way, way back. Right. One of the reasons why I chose the name Headless Giant is because of the Headless Rite. I don't know if you've read about that. But in the headless rite, they go back to a Greek papyri, which is the basis for a lot of the ritual magic in the Golden Dawn and all the rest of that. The Greek papyri is how the Greeks would cast their spells, right? And in the headless rite, they talk about the god above all gods is this headless giant, right? And when you think about it, what they're talking about is humanity and humanity's perception. We're born without the ability to know where we came from. We're born not knowing where we're going as a, as a whole we are a headless giant right and what what magical workers and what empires have always tried to do is to screw ahead onto the giant but we learn by doing we've got eyes in our hands and ears in our feet we understand through intuition we go where our feet take us we learn by doing that's that's what I got out of the headless right, right? You know, which is, I, I wanna, you know, sorry. very magical. I also want to add this. Why this was another thing that made me think it was almost ritualistic. There's uh, even I, I just want to read like some stuff that I've come across in uh, Libra O, which is Crowley's uh, book that has uh, the LBRP and the, uh, the hexagram ritual in might even have something else in it. Oh, the greater pentagram, the greater hexagram has all that in it. Uh, it does get into a point where he talks about like when you're, um, when you were like charging the, the, 
the directions. You know, when you draw your pentagram or your hexagram and you go to charge it. Um, it does, like, say to the point to where it's like, uh, breathe in deeply through the nostrils, Im uh, imagining the name of the God desired entering with the breath. Let that name descend slowly from the lungs to the heart, the solar plexus, the navel, and generative organs, and so to the feet. The moment yep. that appears to touch the feet, quickly advance the left foot about 12 inches, throw forward the body, and let the hands, drawn back to the side of the eyes, basically going out like that, shoot out so that you are standing in the typical position of the god Horus. Oh, Horus. I think that might be talking about like the sign of silence, possibly. Oh, no. Sorry. I think like that. They call it the god Horus. Uh, but blah, blah, blah. But it eventually gets to... Uh, it is a sign that the student is performing this correctly when a single vibration entirely exhausts his physical strength. It should cause him to grow hot all over, to, pers to perspire violently, and it should weaken him that he will find it difficult to remain standing. My opinion, when you're watching them do that for an extended period of time, you see that happening just from the sounds and the breathing games that they're playing as they're doing their thing. Absolutely. I yep. saw the same stuff just wasn't in speech. Well, in that in that formula that he gives, what he's what he's literally saying is you're taking all of your mental energy and you're driving it into the ground. You're driving it into the ground. Now, how did Tesla light up all of those light bulbs away from the generator? He used the frequency through the earth. Right? That's exactly what they're talking about in that ritual, right? You're taking the name of the God, which is the essence of it. You're moving it through your body, collecting energy, putting it into the earth, and then doing the sign of projection out of the body so that it reaches the ends of the earth, right? It's that same idea. You're using the earth energy field, and you're charging that earth energy field with your intention. Everything that can be done electrically can be done within the body. That's what's happening. You're aligning yourself with the earth and you're putting it out there and making it real. That's what he's talking about. Now, this charging idea can also be done with singing, right? So as you're, as you're making a, uh, a, a sound that goes up like this, what you're doing is you're raising the energy up from your feet. And as you go down, 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 you are actually drawing that energy back down. And you can feel it moving on the spinal column when you make those tones, right? So if you are a magic practitioner, the way you can feel that energy moving up and down your spine using those frequencies will give you a good idea of whether or not you're charging your spell correctly. So if you can use that as either a practice or a, a method of, understanding those 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 energies as they're moving through your body you're going to find that you're going to be a lot more successful in doing so this is this is why certain songs have certain uh energetic uh reciprocation with different gods this is why you sing to your god this is why you sing praises to your god you're creating something that is eternal for them using these basic operations you know one time i, I had i did mention uh i'm sure prior multiple times um i don't know if you've ever uh, heard it though um 
you know, talking about this and going down, I just, you know, find this very familiar with an experience that I had. Uh, I did say one point I was, like, uh, doing some, like, uh, I was doing a ritual and I uh, decided to do, like, uh, the middle pillar in the middle of the ritual um, to go into, like, a, kind of like a premeditation. It's meditation. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that does go from the top down. And I said that during the experience... When I got down to the bottom, it was almost like uh, one of those things at the carnival where you hit it and it shoots back up and hits the bell. I was like, it was like, big, big if, when I went down, all of a sudden, like, it's like, like a rocket launched off. And I was like somewhere else. But it yep. was really weird because like, I felt it just like come up the middle. Right. Well, I think everybody's experienced the, uh, the goosebumps when you hear a song. That really resonates with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Right? That's the energy moving over the top of the skin and through the body, right? There's something strange about hair. I haven't completely figured it out yet. But there's something strange about hair that acts as an antenna for our magical will. Oh, I think, yo, believe in it. <laughs> I really I really do question that because, like, I know a very basic form. But, like, if you kind of look at, like, how fiber optics and hair, like, there is, like, a little bit of a... Right. I think there's something about the crystallization because hair is a crystallized form of a, a ubiquitous molecule, right? So in bugs and fungus, it's called chitin, right? You change the form slightly and it becomes cellulose. You change the form just slightly and then in mammals, it becomes fingernail stuff. Keratin. Keratin, chitin cellulose it's universal in life right everything that is alive has one of those forms either chitin cellulose or keratin right the stuff on our, our heads that's keratin the stuff on our fingernails it's keratin it's the crystallization of life this is why you talk to uh, uh voodoo practitioners they talk about getting the hair from a person it's the crystallization of their life as they're moving through the life this stuff is still growing even yeah. after you die. It's funny how like we can look at animals and accept their reason of hair and whiskers. Right. For certain things to understand the surroundings and their senses. Why does it grow we can like accept this? that, but not that not that it might do that with humans or used to either. You know, at some point. Right. <laughs> right. But there's something about the hair. And I think if if there's any magical practitioner out there who's experienced with creating spells what you need to do is you need to find a way to use will to actually imbue the crystallization process as it's growing out of your face as it's growing out of your hair because i think there's a lot of like when, whenever you talk about witches the very first thing that always comes up is their hair the hair has something to do with their magical powers Right. I think this is how you have people transforming into other beings like uh, lycanthropy and stuff like that. You're supposed to drink out of the um, footprint of a wolf on a full moon. And there has to be wolf hair in the footprint so you can uh, transform into a wolf. There's something about the crystallization of this energy into keratin that has to do with this transformation now being mammals we have this keratin but i think it's universal they talk about the scales of the dragon you know they talk about the scales of these uh uh magical lizards these are very important things it's all you know 
in in lizards it's keratin too but it's the same idea i wonder if that goes back to like the the lizard people it could i mean <laughs> i think that there's a certain type of electrical energy that is transferred through the hair that we don't really think or I talk gotta, about i gotta go listen to david i can see if he ever mentions keratin now i don't think he does <laughs> nobody does i didn't know well he mentions the lizard people I didn't know how closely related keratin and cellulose were, but it's the same substance with just the tiny molecule off. And we're talking about all life on the planet has either keratin, chitin, or uh, cellulose. All of it. You know? And then you're t talking about bones and bone density. And, you know, this again goes into this animal alchemy. You've got the three forms of alchemy you've got animal alchemy, animal kingdom. You've got plant alchemy, and then you've got mineral alchemy, which would be, you know, the the with the metals and all the kingdom mineralia. It's all basically talking about these different things and how they apply in these different kingdoms, right? This is how the energy is condensed, and this is the vibration it's giving off. Once you get down to that level where you can understand the vibrations from the higher ideas of gods down to these different kingdoms, then working with gas then you're talking about real magic then you're talking about transferring energy on a completely different level people have been doing this they haven't told you about it you have no way of getting there without the basics to get there again the basics were never explained to you <laughs> yes but you know that's where we're at so that's what i want to leave people with is these basic definitions i think could take you down that rabbit hole but you have to be willing to listen and have to be willing to resonate with these things. As you resonate with them, you're going to find more and more stuff that applies because I think the feeling of being trapped is the most damaging feeling in the world. And that's what applies to every low point in someone's life. They feel trapped. You one, know? one thing I want to ask you about the movie. Um, I mean, unless, unless you got to wrap it up. I mean, I'm not no, go constrained ahead. right now either. I can go for at least another 20 minutes. If not more, uh, you know, in the movie, I look at it as it kind of like spinning a, you know, I guess dressing up truth, yep. you know, and, you know, presenting it to people as uh, fairy tales. But like, in your opinion, do you think like what I what I am getting at is that I think this show is actually showing the public that people can actually come out of themselves experience out-of-body experiences possibly screw around the jump things i do think that's all possible actually so do yep. you think do you think that stuff's possible and you think the show is just like showing through actual reality but painting it differently for the masses to just be amused i think by? it's it's a subconscious initiation when you're watching it subconsciously you're absorbing that reality and by doing that you're also empowering the people who made the show you're empowering the people who use the same systems of magic that are exemplified in the show basically this is how they're charging their spells is by you subconsciously absorbing this information and subconsciously believing that it's real that's not necessarily a good or bad thing right what it is is now you have a key are you going to use that key or are you going to let somebody else use that key? That's what, that's what I think it's, it's giving you is it's giving you that initiation. I think what we're going through now with all of these negative things happening all around us is they're turning the key for themselves. 
it's not for you, right? So all of these subconscious symbols that you've absorbed all this time, you know, where do you draw the line between conspiracy and magic? I don't know. It's like, it's like the edge of your, uh, your field, your field of energy. Where do you draw that line? Can you ever know? So what we're seeing now with all these disasters, all these train crashes, this is part of a ritual. They don't even know where the edge is, but they know what their intent is and they don't care who they hurt to get there. So it's time for you to jump out of their reality. And we've got to do that one man to one man. It's not going to happen en masse. You've got to be able to, to realize that you can jump from this reality into a better one on your own terms. And once you start in that direction, that's when other people will see it. And you've got to explain it. Because again, you might not believe what I'm saying right now, but guess what? It's absorbed subconsciously. And I'm going to be able to use that because I need that power too. And you need that power. And we can all use that power. This is why they don't tell it to you outright. You know, I, I think uh, the initiation thing that you said, uh, I've heard other people say that, and I've even kind of said that myself. I really do think um, that's really like a really good point. Uh, and from my own experiences, and I, and I guess this is like how I can see it happening to the public really easy. Is like even in for me going through initiations with the OTO, um, I think for the most part, and for most people, I don't think I'm alone with this that have done it. Um, especially if well, I, I guess it's probably even worse for people that don't know what's coming. Um, the, I pretty much knew almost what I was facing going into each one because there is books out there where you can find out. So, like, a, not everything was totally off guard for me. I was, like, kind of, like, already, like, knowing I'm willing to do this. It's even the, I wouldn't have signed the paperwork, probably, to petition unless I already knew. So, uh, but, you know, during those things, even when I knew what to expect, put it that way, too. And I, you know, even read the way that the altar is going to be set up and things that are going to be said. When it, when you get into it, you're like, for me, I was like, what just happened? Yeah. What's going to happen? Not much of like, well, all right, this is just where I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was so all over the place that like by the end, like if you were to ask me, like, took me out of the room and like, what does the inside of that look like? I'd probably get like fucking half of it wrong. Because yep. I wasn't even paying attention to it. I, I was, like, so worried about, like, what's coming next that I was really never in the moment to actually look around and see everything. And I, I have often, like, thought, like, is that what's, you know, and the thing with also that I want to get uh, mentioned is that, like, after you do these initiations, you can then go back and do uh, as long as you've taken it. Let's say for the first. If you take the first, you can go back and watch other people take the first that are coming in. Um, you, so when you go back and do that, sometimes when you go and sit there and you're on the side, you're like, oh, wow, like there was a lot of stuff I forgot about, a lot of stuff I didn't see, you know, and now like sitting on the sidelines, you can actually see it and it can actually even mean more to you now because you're actually really seeing everything that's going on. Um, you know, I often wonder like, is that kind of like what's going on now? With yep. stuff that's like in the media and stuff out in the streets and the news, it's like, are we being magically initiated? But the thing is, it's like we're just seeing it from the wrong angle. We're like, we're we're me again, you know. We're like, I'm in the middle of things, not really knowing what's going on because I'm all over the place, and not well, seeing it for what it was until like way later. 
initiation is the definition of a liminal event. On one side, you're one person. On the other side, you're a different person. In the middle is that initiation that takes you from one reality into the other. What they're trying to show you is that this initiation moves you from point A to their point B. And this is one of the things about the uh, Freemasons and the, the 33rd degree and all the rest of the stuff is that they want to transform you into part of their hive mind. And the only way to get from point A to point B is to have you initiated into their ceremonial ritual. From that point on in your lifetime, you can never become uninitiated. Yeah, I think even in, like I remember one thing that that even caught me caught my attention and had wondered, made me even wonder more of uh, maybe being misdirected by accident. I, you know, I'm not saying it's being done on purpose. It could be. Could be whatever. Maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way. But there's times in some of the initiations where they'll tap certain parts of your body. Later on, uh, after you do initiations, they will do a class. And you can go and kind of uh, somebody... Normally, it should be somebody who actually was in the initiation <laughs> kind of giving, like, their uh, their little two cents on what they thought some of the things meant, you know, or some ideas of, like, what, you know, what did this mean at this point? They'll touch on that. And one person did mention, and then, like, once they said that, like, it was quite obvious when you think back to other ones. The places where they're tapping was literally to activate those chakras or to at least bring attention to that area. Right. So I'm like, you know, like, so like you're telling me these other times you did that to me, you're turning and shutting shit off on me and I didn't catch it right away. You this know, is, I'm just like, uh. yeah, this is very important when it comes to uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese healing, right? It's all about tapping certain areas and bringing energy in key into that area. Right. So, uh, for instance, like if anybody has any, um, uh, shoulder problems right back here you ever get knots right back here after a long day of work it just hurts yeah. like crazy well if if you've got problems there you've got to go down to your shin bone right and on your shin bone you're going to find a tender spot right you're going to find it because somehow up here is connected right to your shin and you're going to push on that spot for 30 seconds and when you do that and rotate your shoulder out after that 30 seconds it's not going to hurt anymore now, why is that? It's an energy connection. This is something when they're tapping on different parts of your body, it's creating a flow of chi, right? It's creating that that energy flow. They have to tap on these points to activate the chi in that area so that you can move into that initiation. Again, your energy body is part of this initiatory process, right? So when you understand Chinese medicine and you understand the, the prime meridians and the secondary meridians and all the rest of that stuff, all of this becomes very, very, very real to you. Westerners don't do that. I mean, when they're tapping on parts of your body, you're just like, well, what, what's the purpose of this? Unfortunately, you don't really know what you're being initiated into. They're just tapping and you think, well, this is probably some sort of strange ritual. Yeah, no, it's get your attention, energetic. throw you off, but no, I mean, yeah. Right. No, it is very energetic. They are taking your key and redirecting it without your knowledge, basically. But, I mean, is there any way for you to know that if you're not 
actively engaged with you know chinese key medicine of course yeah. not you know as westerners we're we're easy prey for energy vampires because all it takes is a touch here and a, and a push here and somebody has complete control over your energy system you're walking around like a puppet on a string this is why chemicals are so important why they're putting the chemicals in the water and the air and everything else is because it makes you easy prey easy prey it's all the same system I do have, uh, I just remembered, I did have, uh, there was a few questions that I did want to specifically ask you. Um, and one of the last ones that I, I think I had in my mind, <laughs> I just remembered. So I don't want to forget. Um, what's your take with the stuff growing out of the people's ears? Stuff growing out you, of the oh, people's ears. Oh, you know yeah, what? Yeah, that yeah, might yeah, be yeah. like so far into season two. Like I that's, know, like you said. That's, like, yeah, that's at the end of the season two. What he's doing is he's, He's externalizing the internal forces, right? So you've got the soul energy that's supposed to be um, that's supposed to be on the inside, and what he's doing is he's causing it to come outside so he can harvest it. It's the same idea as the initiation. You're being initiated into something so that somebody else can feed off of you. And the ear is very important because that's where he was able to record the sounds of the whooshing yes. into another dimension. That's the soul sound. So these flowers growing out of the ear is the internal manifestation, you know, which would be the uh, thousand petal rose, the uh, or thousand petal lotus that happens in the heart chakra. That's the physical manifestation through the ear of that energy source. It's sort of like creating an external chakra with actual physical matter. Of course, something that uh, Hap would be into is his name Hap or Cap. I think it's Hap, right? H-A-P. But he's interested in harvesting that physical energy because that goes along with his character. All he wants is the physical manifestation so that he can do with it as he pleases. All the people that are in his tanks are just tools to him. He's just a materialist. That's what he's trying to use them for, is for physical energy. And, you know, that's that's always the end of any materialist, is they look at people around them like tools. This is why we've gotten to this point right now where we are at, you know? So that physical manifestation, the, the thing from the ear, that's the soul. He's harvesting the soul. Yeah, I did. I did think it was actually a uh, a funny way of like what you said. It's like almost showing him harvesting again, but in a physical manifestation. You it's know, and, go and, it's in, and it's in the waters again too. You know, like the waters of birth. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, these these again, like the Egyptians talk about the blue lotus. They talk about these things as being integral to the soul, integral to our life. We've lost all of that context you know I've even we don't know what the egyptians are talking about we're just now discovering that it's you know when they when they have these statues those are parts inside of our bodies you know that's inside of our brain what they're showing with the eye of horus all of these things are within us and they were talking about it back then because they had the angels or the angles talking to them from source you know and that's the idea is we're a reflection of source. So what are we doing? You know, where are we going? Backwards. Right. <laughs> That's really the whole problem is that we're, I think we're getting projected backwards and we have to go the other way. Absolutely. It's because we have technology with no wisdom. And I think that's by design. Absolutely. 
And, you know, if there are any light workers out there, if there are any of these high level light workers that all of these cults and all of these new agers are talking about, where are they now? You know, heroes don't just pop up out of nowhere. They have to build a following. And none of these people have built a following that is healthy. Not a single one. Not a single one. They need to be healing the sick and they need to do so without ego. I haven't seen it. You know, the closest thing we have is the Reiki practitioners that don't charge a million dollars for an initiation. And again, what do they do in a Reiki initiation? They're tapping on different parts of the body. They're tapping on the hands. They're awakening the chakras. The only people that humans put up on a pedestal lately are loaded. Yeah. Yeah. The only way people are going to like you is you have to be loaded or a politician. Yeah. You got to be Elon Musk for people to look up to you. But, you know, when you can speak to them, when you can speak to them with the water language, and that's what I hope I'm doing is speaking to your water language, hopefully it resonates. Hopefully it gets in there and allows you to start seeing the power that's within you. You don't have to summon gods. The gods come when you call. It's the energy. Like, I, I draw the distinction, like, I'm an emanationist, not a creationist, right? So a Creationists would believe that we live in a world that is manifest by the will of the creator. I believe it's the energy of the creator that manifests on these different levels, manifests down the tree of uh, the Kabbalah tree, manifests from one frequency to the next. It has no choice. It must do it. You know, and saying you've got a will that implies a choice. I don't believe that a creator that has given all this stuff, has done so as an act of will. He's done so as an act of love, right? Love and an act of will might be the same or might be slightly different. Like through loving your creation, you're giving them the opportunity to discover you. You're giving them the opportunity to move up the tree. You're giving them the opportunity. You're not taking away anything. By loving a person, you're not taking away anything from them. Having an act of will sounds like an imposition on them. You see? So if you're a creationist, you have to believe that they're imposing their will on something else. By loving matter, it emanates throughout the spheres down to them. Right? And that's where, where the idea of love under will sort of gets screwed up. Because love under will implies that you are imposing your will, right? I don't believe that. I believe that it's free. Well, you know, this was the thing, and like, I'm not trying to give this guy too much credit either, is that, like, at the... Hey, you know, when we, when I was reading that thing about the chakras, it was, like, kind of like that, that heart chakra is, like, a major stage to get across. And it was talking about, like, going up farther is, like, kind of, like, going towards your will going towards knowing your will, that was the love chakra. So, like, you need to have some sort of breakthrough to go above to find the will. So maybe that's why love would be under will. (laughs) But I wasn't trying to, like, you know. Love under will. Like, they talk about your true will. Your true will can only come about by aligning that heart chakra, right? That's what I was getting at. Yeah, that's what I was pretty much getting at. Yeah, but, but then again, it said, you know, their opinion was is that that love also has to be changed. I, and I, I do love this example, and I think you'll understand it too. He was even, this person, this author, not he, she, 
was uh, even getting at, I think, like, at sometimes, like, when does, like, a mother or a parent's love for a child start going against their will? Or yeah. when do you start encroaching on them and just controlling them? You know, so, no. or like, or people in general with the relationships, you know, how, how often does our love start impeding on people being who they are? Right. You start wanting to mold them to your liking so I can love you more, you know? <laughs> so that goes right. along. They were saying like, you need to start like stopping that. You need to keep an eye on that and also start, you know, having love for more spiritual stuff instead of so much of the lower realms. Right. Uh, I find that very interesting. And I think very good that's the thing is, is like, when does love become toxic? And when it becomes toxic, you become like that fallen angel, right? That's when the love becomes toxic is when you fall away from the source. I mean, I think a perfect example, and this may sound screwed up, but like, yo, like our, our parents, or if I had kids, would have been conditioned to make up a bullshit story to tell my kids so they can feel good when I give them a present a few times a year. Yep. Out of love and out of feelings, I'm going to lie to my child. Yep. And hand them something at the same time. How much of a fucked up situation is that? The energy on that is completely Eat this wrong. bullshit story and take this gift. And then you'll be upset when I tell you a few years later that I lied to you. But you have to love me because I'm your parent and I'm older than you. Right. I mean, come on. We're given the story of Horace fucking just because of the way people act. But right. he's tired of the bullshit he's been fed and he rebels. Right. And <laughs> there is a difference between a story and a lie. And when you're telling a story, it needs to be from a place of love and it needs to be from a place of uh, instruction, not in a place of limitation. Instruction doesn't limit the person you're giving it to. It gives them a different option. Right. And you have to have that option open every time you're giving instruction because if not you're controlling you're you're suppressing you're imposing your will on top of their own like like for and real think, for real like if you think about it like in, like you know the kid you, your kid one day wakes up and he's missing a tooth like all right here you go here's five bucks the kids are still going to be fucking happy yeah. are we going to tell this kid that some outlandish fucking story that this little you know thing came and, and left the money underneath your pillow so you were more excited and more happy about me giving you money. Like, all it really is is, like, it's all of, like, you wanting to feel good about making your fucking kid happy. Right. Well, it's like stage it's like And, like, I'm going to lie to you to do it. Like, what the f Like, if you really do think about holidays, like, that's like a real mind fuck. Yeah. But again, you know, it's that first magic, right? So that stage magician wants to produce amazement in his audience. And you want to produce amazement in your children. So you tell them these stories about about Santa Claus and the and the Tooth Fairy and all the rest of these things, so that they're amazed and they're engaged and they're like, "Wow, the wonders of the universe never cease." There's a fairy that puts money under my pillow, and you know, at the same time as you're producing these things, you're going to take away from their faith in the future by having them believe this fully and then have their dreams and their hopes crushed <laughs> by reality. You know, it's a misappropriation of initiation. <laughs> initiation should open you, not not slam the door shut. But again, that's that's why all these 
you know, uh, these uh, Hollywood creatures are all doing these subconscious initiations on all their on all their followers is because they want to provide that wonder for them. And then eventually that wonder is going to be slammed shut by all these disasters that are coming their way. And it's not going to be good, but it's going to be a lot to feed off of. There's going to be a lot of eternity to feed off of that disaster that's coming, you know? Yeah, I mean, just think, just hope. think the, 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 the fucking jab worked so well because people believed in Christmas. Right, right. <laughs> I'm getting lied to and then given a free gift. Yeah. <laughs> it's free shots, everybody, free shots. I mean, think about that. <sighs> they got that song, shots, 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 shots. Oh, look, this is largesse. This is, you know, uh, Zeus. This is Jupiter. It's all largesse. And then what happens when you open the gift? You keel over because your heart is destroyed. There's a lot of energy to feed. Oh, from. that's why everybody's dropping from cardiac arrest. There you go. <laughs> Love is gone. They open that heart <laughs> and then they close it up. <laughs> it's all a ritual. It's all a ritual. It's oh. all a ritual. Whether they want it to or not, it's a it's a ritual, you know? You're like, fuck, this I'm 40 years old and I'm still buying a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and before we go, I, I want to get into the nature of conspiracy, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The nature of every conspiracy has to do with the people involved, right? So there are three types of people in every organization, right? You've got the true believer, the one who fully believes in the nature of that organization. You've got the careerist who is just there for the paycheck. And then you've got the psychopaths who just want power over that organization, right? Now, the way a a psychopath rises to power is they push on the establishing principles of that organization until the true believers get so upset that they finally raise their heads and become a target for the psychopath, right? If you think about every conspiracy under the sun, it consists of pushing on those boundaries until you raise your head and they know who the enemy is. You understand? This is the nature of every conspiracy. So all these people try to give this this massive amount of credit to these psychopaths when the psychopaths are just pushing your boundaries. That's all they have to do is push your boundaries. And then guess what? Guess what? You raise your head up and they know who to target. That's the nature of every conspiracy that has ever existed throughout history. Does that make them godlike? Does that give them godlike information? No but it certainly gives you the ability to see how you're giving them power because you're not pushing back. When they pushed your boundaries, you go along with it. When they pushed you into the Iraq war, you didn't stand up conservatives. Why not? Because you didn't know that was your boundary. But guess what? The Patriot Act means the Patriots now, doesn't it, conservatives? You understand how that works? They pushed your boundaries, they found their target, and you're it. You're it. They didn't have to plan. They didn't have to plan. You gave it to them on a silver platter. They pushed your boundaries. Look at all these uh, um, Hollywood types doing all these satanic rituals. They pushed your boundaries. You popped your head up. Now they know who to shoot at. That's how Mm. it works. So how do you fight back against it? Look at all these rituals. Look at all these rituals where they're going out to these... um, these, these revivals. There's this one in this, uh, I think it's a Tennessee university where they've got a three week long revival. You know, what's going to eventually happen. 
the cops are going to have to get involved. Either there's going to be a mass shooter there or something because they cannot stand the energy of forgiveness. They cannot stand the energy of purification. That's what happens at these revivals. Abolition. They're getting rid of their sins. They're aligning themselves with this deity. And in doing so, it's going to eventually lead to a conflict because they want you impure. They want you separated. They want you not able to, to realign yourself with your creator. And once you realize that, they're going to come for you. And when they do, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? And that has to do with the power of spirit. That has to do with the power of your energy. Once you're in that position where you're forgiven, you've forgiven yourself, you forgive other people, you are unstoppable. And they cannot stand that because you are in full alignment with the universe at that point. I, I even think, uh, you know, when it comes to these things like that they're showing on TV, um, for like, first off, I didn't even know about the Grammys and Sam Smith until like the next day. You know, I didn't even. I didn't Nobody even did. Nobody watched it. Was Nobody gives a shit. Day. But I, I do think, and, you know, I, I, and unfortunately I was asked to cover it, and then I was asked to cover Rihanna's. But, like, to tell you the truth, in all actuality, in my opinion, if people stopped watching them, and even the conspiracy theorists stopped posting shit up about it, it really wouldn't make a fucking difference anymore. And it would just go. There's no out. energy. They've lost all energy. Once I mean, I'll even say it myself. Upset. I spent the time to cover the show for Billy Ray Valentine, but like in all actuality, I do think like even paying it that much attention and people like, uh, you know, these, that was like another thing that I even had noticed is like the next day it was like, you know, every other third, fourth account is like posting this up. And I was like, yo, like got, if there's anything in here, what do you think you're doing? This, this, is, the this is free, free mass talismans being made. Right. They got the lowest ratings of any other Grammy Awards show that time. The only reason why anybody even knows about it is by watching the videos online later. You're giving them their energy by getting upset at this kind of thing. And this is a very important point, too. All right. Because this is a ritual. You see what they're doing. All right. So let's go back to the Uranus thing. In the first episode, I talked about Uranus and the fall of the balls. Right. So. Uranus is castrated. The balls fall from the sky. Where do those balls go? They go into the water. What happens in the mythology is that Aphrodite pops out of the frothy foam from these balls hitting the water. <laughs> what are all these celebrities wearing? They're wearing this red. The scarlet whore is born after the balls hit the water and all these people are engaging in this ritual as you're giving it energy the day after it wouldn't work if you weren't paying attention to them and here we go we've got more explosions every day the titans are rising up this is part of the plan i, and you're I playing do right into it by giving them the energy they need i do think the explosions and the chemical and the hazardous release stuff is in a way showing, I think, kind of like beast energy coming in, you know, absolutely uh, male energy, you know, and then you know, because the thing is that what you said to me is that like the next thing will be the scarlet whore coming in. I, I if you were to you want to really manifest the energy that's being used right now, you would have to bring in more, I think, feminine form to do more destruction with it and feed it more. So I was wondering, like, I do think you might be right. Like, we need to add some more feminine, you know, 
bring more of the dark matter <laughs> into energy to start really construct something serious. Right. Well, they're using it right now because every time we get upset, we feed their spells. Every time we get upset, we should be asking forgiveness. We should be aligning ourselves with our own deities and not paying attention to their rituals at all. And if we can't do that, you better be ready for war because this this uh, scarlet horror that they're building is going to be like Kali. It's going to be a Kali Yuga event because that's all they want. Uh, this is why they're pushing us into World War III over in Ukraine. This is why they're they're bringing about these natural disasters. They want you scared and helpless. If you're not uh, aligning yourself with your with your God, if there is a revival going on, I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care. You need to show up and you need to partake in the energies that are happening there and stop paying attention to the energies that are happening happening on your TV because those energies, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, are going to be more beneficial and nutritious to you as a human being in those areas than anything they've got for you on the TV, anything they're showing you on the news, anything they're showing you on the internet. Stop rage baiting. Start Get on your knees and beg for forgiveness because that is the feeling that you should be having right now. You should be feeling that and not paying attention to anything they're projecting at you. That projection is what the, what the pandemic is. Yeah, Get off of it. Yeah. yeah, real quick, I just want to try to add, I, I, and I agree with what you're saying. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to the Sam, this is just my opinion, the Sam Smith and then the Rihanna uh, things, I do think one continued after the, the next. I, I do think what we saw in those things is, in my opinion, in the Sam Smith, I'll try to be real quick, is like they went from like the fourth sphere of Chokma, went across the sun, uh, Tiferet, and then went down to the corner of Hove. You saw, uh, you know, Chesed. I mean, you saw a lot of shit, but in my opinion, you saw it coming down the tree. Now, the vices that bring your soul, that all the vices that brings your soul and it weighs it down and brings you here and grounds you. That's what's being handed visually to the crowd, but they take it on as that shit's being cool. Yep. And you grab on to those things, and I think Rihanna's was even taking it even further, which made me wonder is like something being birthed like now. But like what we the, have the thing is we have a moon, uh Jupiter, Venus alignment that is going on right now. Yeah. Venus is Aphrodite, and what they're doing is in perfect alignment with these planetary energies, they're doing these rituals. That's what, look, and when you align, when you're aligning yourself with the stars, you're aligning yourself with these rituals, something big is happening because you're feeding into it. So we've yeah. got to get off of it. Yeah. So I think even the problem, like even going back to what you're saying, if people didn't watch it, you know, again, it's like a lot of these, uh, like an outlandish outfit or idea or whatever, if it didn't, that didn't exist in the person's mind before they saw it, they wouldn't have had it as an option to choose. Nope. So if you're not watching these outlandish things, you can't even have the option of like, oh, I want to imitate that person because they got popularity. You know what I'm saying? So like it just eliminates so many things. The so Hollywood I th think what you're getting at is just, I, you know, I think we're both in agreeing on here. I think just stop paying it mind. The Hollywood degeneracy wouldn't happen without cutting off your member, right? Degenerate. What they're doing is taking your power, your generative power, 
All men have that generative power, that 90 degree angle that comes out from their bodies, right? All women have the ability to nurture that power into something that is a human being, the greatest magic trick ever done, right? If we stop letting them degenerate us, degeneracy is the degeneration of our, I mean, it only makes sense why they're so into this trans agenda, they, them. That's degeneration. It's cutting off that generative member. It's cutting off your angel. It's cutting off your bridge to the future. That's what it is. So you've <laughs> got to get out of that. And you, the only way to do that is to, to realign yourself with that generative energy and use it for yourself. You've got to stop being attracted to these models. Stop being attracted to these things. It's all to degenerate you. Uh, I, I, I even like I even said on I didn't say you know I probably in a chopped up way on uh, uh, Infinite Fringe when I covered the Sam Smith performance I really do think that uh, was it Petra I can't even remember Kim Petra what the fuck its name was she, uh, got, hey. she got chopped as a kid uh, that, chopped as a kid that in the cage in my opinion is the false misunderstood light coming from the hermit's lamp. Yep. You know, when you have it up here and the hermit's up there at the top of the tree, you know, that light's gone through Leo, so now it's no longer a wild flame. It's a focused orb sitting inside the lamp that is focused enlightenment. And I think, like, the chaotic shit, like, uh, just, I, I do think it really was showing, like, a coming down from the tree and being, yep. like, uh, Disillusion knowledge, maybe. Kim Petra knowledge. is the is the embodiment or the personification of this degenerative light because she was a he as a child and she got it taken care of as a child. They did surgery on her. That's who she is. She is the light of degeneration. That is the perfect example. Everything has to do with the moon, right? The moon, when they talk about the moon matrix thing. The reason why the moon is so effective in keeping us trapped here is because it's just showing us a reflection of ourselves. Uh, That's all it's doing. It's showing us the reflection of ourselves. And when they when they create these reflections, they want to deepen you in such a way to where you can see it within yourself. That's why you see the man and the moon, right? What they're doing is they're showing you yourself. And that's how they trap you is by showing you yourself. It has nothing to do with the sun. They're showing you your energy reflected back at you. This is why the moon has a, a cold energy to it. It's colder under the moonlight than it is in the shade. Why is that? It's a reflection of yourself. Keep that in mind. It's very important. Once you can see that and you understand how to use the moon energy for your purposes, for your development, it stops being that cold light. It's something different at that point. But the reason it's so effective is because we can't ever stop. We can't ever look away from ourselves. We're like narcissists. We're falling into that hole. You know, we're falling into that water. And that's, mm. that's why we're trapped. Is because we keep looking at ourselves as the way we are instead of the way we should be, which is these beings of light. It's a mind fuck. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I think I think you said it well right there, and I think we could just wrap it up now if you don't mind. So, absolutely, yeah. Hell yeah! That, thank you so much, man. That was a, that was a banger. Uh, hour and fifty four minutes. Oh man, thank it went you. By I, fast. I, 
for me, yeah. actually. That was a great talk. I know we, uh, you know, it was about OA, but so many other things. And I thought that just, I thank you, bro. I appreciate it for a good time. Um, you want thank everybody... you. I hope we can reach people. No, I think, I mean, listen, we had a bunch of people on the chat. I think it did pretty well. You know, I think people understood where we were going with it. Uh, yeah, and I do want to thank all of you too. We had uh, Eric, we had Asha, we had Helena earlier, Teresa, uh, the other guy. I don't know how to pronounce your name. A uh, abrasion equation. Maybe that's it. I think. What's up? Uh, thank you all for jumping in on the chat. Uh, there was a pretty good, uh, you know, talking going on. Um, yeah. Do you want to let everybody know where they could uh, find? I guess like you know, yeah, whatever you do have. Oh, plug right the other now, show. Plug the other episode you're on too. Yeah, I was on. Uh, I was on General Lee's uh, show. I was on there for a part one, and uh, probably going to do a part two pretty soon with General Lee. Um, probably going to do this stuff over again. Maybe change it up a little bit. But you know, I think it's vital that people have a good basis in reality, and and if they look for me on uh, Twitter, I do a lot of Twitter Spaces. I jump in on other people's Twitter Spaces. So if you want to jump in there. See what I'm talking about? That's good. It's really hard to get all this stuff into a tweet. But, you know, I could explain it a lot better when I go into these Twitter spaces, and that's fun. Maybe we could do Twitter spaces together sometime. Yeah, I, I, yeah we were talking about that before. I might try to figure out or see if there's a way to, like, stream into that or something. Whatever. Or still connect, like you were saying, like we tried earlier. Got to align those ports, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to figure something out, maybe. All these computer uh, concepts, when you align, align your ports... It all goes smoothly. When your ports don't align, guess what? <laughs> You're not going with the flow. <laughs> Somebody else is taking control of your ports. I'll tell you that much. They're listening into your ports right now on Instagram. They figured out a way to align your ports without you even knowing it. You know, you take all these computer symbols and you apply it to your own life. That's how energy works. Mm. You know? A very good point. Very As good above, point. so below. So I will, uh, if it's not in there now, I, I will add it after the fact. I think I already added in uh, your links uh, to your uh, social media. Uh, the links for my show, The Occult Rejects, Spiritual Gangsters. Uh, I think TikTok may be in there. The new Twitter and elements that uh, the Headless Giant is also in. Everybody, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out the Elements server. Uh, we do have uh, Twin Peaks watch parties. I think it's kind of been on hold, but might be starting up soon. I don't know. Uh, we do do stuff like that. And uh, we got other shows and tons of topics in there. And uh, Headless Giant is in there as well. So check that out. And uh, thank you very much, bud, for coming on. I'm sure besides this, there are other things me and you can talk about. This won't be the last time we have talked. And uh, until the next one, thank you, everybody, for jumping in, and uh, be well. Later. Thank you. Bye.